said, we're going to be in the book of Joshua today. I've been teaching a series, uh, started several years ago, uh, doing one, uh, one chapter per lesson, uh, completed 17 of them, and with all the many new people sitting down with Pastor Dave, uh, he thought it wise that we go through a review of where we've gone in Joshua, because... Uh, there's many lessons, many uh, things we can learn uh, from God uh, in his word through the book of Joshua. Now, what we learn from the book of Joshua, why it was written? Well, because God fulfills his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, not all of his promises. Now, remember, if you've uh, listened to Charlie Clough and his framework series, uh, the Abrahamic covenant consisted of three promises from God. There would be a land seed, and blessing. Now, the uh, seed promise had started with Isaac and continued uh, down through uh, Isaac and Jacob. But uh, now, at this point in time, when Joshua was writing, a nation had, had grown. So the promise of worldwide blessing through the seed, which is Jesus Christ, uh, was still future. But the land uh, is, is what this book is about, the giving of the land uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants. So who was Joshua? I mean, for those of you who may not know, maybe you've never read through the book, I mean, most people do know about Joshua and Jericho. What happened at Jericho? The walls came tumbling down, right? We know the, the, the little hymn, the song we learned as kids. But if you don't know that... Uh, Here's who Joshua was. He was the attendant of Moses from his youth. So, you know what, before we begin this, I, I should have started us with a word of prayer. Uh, we need to come to a study of God's word, in, as Mike t was telling earlier, in spirit and in truth. And if we have personal sin in our lives, that's a hindrance to the Holy Spirit working in us, making this teaching understandable. So let's take a few moments in silent prayer. Uh, forgive me for this uh, faux pas, but uh, I'll give you a few moments of silent prayer to confess your sins according to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have to study your word to learn from the examples of Joshua, the events of his life. Uh, we recognize that you called him uh, for a mission. And so, Father, help us learn the lessons that Joshua learned so that we can apply them in our lives going forward and serving you, glorifying your name. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so back to our study of who is Joshua. Well, he was an attendant of Moses from his youth. If we look at... Uh, Numbers 11.27, you want to turn in your Bibles. Numbers 11.27, we read, So a young man ran and told Moses, this is during the Exodus, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses, from his youth, I think that's important, from his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. I guess he didn't want 
anyone else to have any uh, notoriety or popularity other than Moses, the man he served. But Moses said to him, verse 29, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So a little, little chiding by Moses there, not to hinder uh, what God is doing. And that's a good lesson for us. Don't hinder what God wants to do. Uh, so an attendant of Moses from his youth. He's also called the servant of Moses. In Exodus 24, a couple pages over, or back, I should say. Exodus 24 and verse 12, we read, Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there. This is after they've just left Egypt and, and got to Mount Sinai. And I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, You wait here. So Joshua is privileged to be the only one to go with Moses. Wait here until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. So Joshua was taken to the base of the mountain. He didn't go up the mountain, but he, he accompanied Moses to the mountain when Moses got the tablets from God himself. We know the Lord spoke to Joshua when we read in, in verse uh, chapter 1, uh, God speaks directly to Joshua. And this is very similar to how Christ called Saul of Tarsus. He spoke directly to him. It wasn't the blinding light, as in uh, Saul's case, Paul, but uh, God did speak to Moses, I mean to Joshua. Now, if you remember, Moses had died, so Joshua, who had been groomed to take over the leadership after Moses, uh, Moses had completed his, his time leading God's people, so now it was time for Joshua to begin his ministry and taking care of the Israelites, leading them into the nation in fulfillment of God's promise. As I said to the, the kids, be strong and courageous is God's command to Joshua. Three times in chapter 1, he tells, tells Joshua or commands Joshua, be strong and courageous. What a great uh, thing for us to... Uh, to dwell on and to meditate on. That's what God wants. God wants us to be strong and courageous as well. All right, so compare this to Moses in Exodus chapter 4. If you go back to chapter 4 of Exodus, there we read when God is calling Moses to go back to Egypt after he had fled when Pharaoh was trying to kill him. Uh, in, in chapter 4, verse 13, we read, that Moses says, when God tells him to go back, says, please, Lord, now send the message by whomsoever you will. Or basically, send somebody else. Get somebody else to do it. And God is angry with him. Uh, that's something we don't want to follow. When God has a plan for us, a, a, a job for us, we don't want to shy away from it and be like Moses was here. Now, Moses, you know, God trained him, matured him. But at this point in time, when he was first called, his immediate reaction was, send somebody else. We don't want to be like that. Joshua learned the importance of obedience. When you read through chapter 1, God tells him, obey the law, everything in the law, all the commandments, follow them, meditate on them. And so God cares about our obedience. 
So he commands Joshua to meditate on the law day and night, and then he'll be successful in his ministry. And God promises to be with Joshua wherever he went in his pursuit and, and leading the children of Israel into the promised land to, to take, take the land. So, what lessons are there for us? I mean, we study the word of God because it has a purpose for us. All scriptures God breathed, Paul tells Timothy, and is profitable for, ed- for edification and instruction and in righteousness and all those things. It's not just stories for our enjoyment or pleasure. They're t- to teach us, to train us, and God is training us for ministry. That's the first thing we can learn. God trained Joshua. You know, he didn't say one day, eeny, meeny, I'll pick you to lead the people. No, he had uh, raised up Joshua and trained him for decades, for decades. While he was in Egypt and and during the whole 40 uh, years of wandering, uh, God was training Joshua, and he's training us. Think about your own life circumstances, what's going on, who you're interacting with. These are things that God is, people that God is using to mature us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, and to uh, uh, prepare us for jobs and and assignments that we'll get later on. What is our ultimate destiny? That we are going to rule and reign with Christ in his kingdom. That is what we are being trained for. We have a purpose. We're valuable. God has not just uh, expected us to idly wait for him to return. No. We have a mission while we're here because in the, in the kingdom we will have important roles as we read in the scriptures. God speaks to us. You know, maybe not audibly like Joshua, probably not, but God speaks to us through his word. When we read his word, we learn who God is, what he's about, what he wants, his desires. We speak to God in return through our prayer. So there's two-way communication. And you have to take advantage of that. Jack uh, made a good uh, pitch there for the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Uh, We pray together to God, to our Lord, because we know he listens. And we we have a relationship with him. And we enhance that when we pray and when we read our scriptures. There will come a time for you to step up. I mean, I think we can all realize and understand that at some point in time, We'll be called on, we'll be challenged to be disciples and to honor Christ, to spread the word, to evangelize, or whatever. I hope I don't have to do this too much. <laughs> but uh, there will come a time where God has something planned for each one of you who, who love him and trust him because he's raised you up for that moment in time. So be ready, be prepared. Okay. And like Joshua, be strong and courageous when you're called on. That's the way you have, you have impact. You're effective when you're strong and courageous. And remember, all things are possible with God. You may think in the circumstance that, hey, I can't do this. It's beyond me. I don't have that ability. But with God, all things are possible. And if you trust him and, and you've utilized those things you've been trained to do, you will be successful. So be strong and courageous. Obedience will guarantee success. Now Joshua 
for the most part, explicitly followed God's commands to the letter and was successful in defeating the tribes in, in Canaan and leading the, the tribes of Israel to uh, their inheritance. And God will uh, do the same for us if we are obedient to him. And God promises to be with each one of us, just as he did Joshua. Uh, Matthew 28, Jesus' departing words, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So never think you're alone, you're in it by yourself. God is always there with us. All right, now here's probably the key verse in for the book of Joshua. Joshua 1.9, many of you probably know it. There it is. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Uh, that first verb in the red, the Hebrew word hazak, you know, it's interesting. The first uh, use of that word is in Genesis 19:16, when it talks about the angels seizing and grabbing a hold of Lot and his family and dragging them out of, uh, of Sodom. Interesting uh, use of that word. But it means to be strong. Uh, As we learned from John uh, Miles' teaching on the book of Jude, we are to earnestly contend for the faith. And how we do that is because we're strong and courageous. The second word, uh, it's emats. And that that means to be courageous. So uh, that's that's a little bit of the Hebrew on that. Uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm learning. And, and just wanted to share those things with, with the congregation. But uh, be strong and courageous. God wants us to be strong. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Uh, so I'm going to run through these. I, I urge you, if you have questions or want more information, I'm going to go through these chapters really quick for, because of time constraints. But uh, they're all recorded if you want more detailed information because I covered a lot of stuff in each chapter. Uh, you can, they're online, you can go to the archives. Um, so first of all, in Joshua chapter 1, what do we learn? Joshua instructs the people after God commissions him. He tells the people uh, what they're going to do to enter the land, and he tells them to prepare to enter the promised land. Now they have to cross the Jordan, uh, but uh, God's going to take care of that, as we'll see in a little bit. Uh, remember that the Two and a half tribes had already received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, they had asked, asked God if they could have that land, and God agreed. And we learned that uh, the, one of the conditions Moses set on them was that they would be the first to lead the tribes over across the Jordan. They were going to have 40,000 men uh, armed in battle array, ready to fight if uh, there was any conflict on the other side when they got there. So that was, that was a responsibility that they had to, uh, had to shoulder for getting their inheritance already. And let's see. The people pledged to obey Joshua, as they would Moses, which was very encouraging for him, I'm, him, I'm sure. Uh, Joshua uh, was able to lead because his followers uh, recognized his authority, that it was from God and from Moses. And we noticed that all the rebels will be put to death. That was uh, their charge to him uh, when they announced that they would follow him and that anyone that didn't, that was going to be the consequence. So, no exceptions. Joshua tells the people, 
or, or the people then tell Joshua to be strong and courageous. Just as God told them, now his, uh, the people he's leading are telling him the same thing. So important lessons we can learn from chapter 1. And by lesson, really I mean application. How can we apply some of these things to us? And I'm just going to point out one or two from probably each chapter. But those who've been blessed by the Lord, and I'm, I'm thinking of the, the two and a half tribes, those who've been blessed by the Lord should be ready and willing to assist others that have yet to receive their, their inheritance or, or their blessing. And that makes sense. If, if we've been taken care of, we should enjoy helping others achieve their blessing or their ministry and supporting them, whatever it is. So that's a good lesson to learn. And we uh, read in Galatians that uh, consider one another and through love serve one another, fulfilling the law of Christ. That's a New Testament command we should be doing. How many times have, have we been blessed and then see someone we know suffering or, or in dire straits? We have to reach out to them. We have to love them. We have to do what we can to support them. Doing these things is what James calls pure religion. As, John, as Jack mentioned earlier, you know, the guy who looks in the mirror or looks into God's word and then walks away and forgets what, what he just read, how does that benefit anybody, much less himself? So consider one another and through love serve one another. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2 is where Joshua sends two spies out. Uh, they're on the other side, of the east side of the Jordan, and Jericho is uh, a few miles away on the west side. So Joshua sends out two spies. Now, when they had sent spies out back in uh, Moses' day, 40 years earlier, uh, that was a terrible result because 10 of the 12 thought they couldn't uh, take the land, that God told them to go in and do it. And they said, no, we can't do it. But uh, here, those spies uh, are sent out because Joshua wants to get a feel for a lot of things. He wants some knowledge, so they, they go out, and, uh, and we're introduced to Rahab, a woman in the city. You may have heard of Rahab. She's in the line of Christ as, a, as she is one of his... Uh, I can't think of the word, but Jesus is a descendant through her. Put it that way. <laughs> and uh, so we're introduced to Rahab, and she uh, takes the spies in because the king of Jericho is, is found out about that, who they are, and he wants to uh, seize them and punish them and probably execute them. But Rahab, spots, she, she hides the spies from the king and uh, hid them on her roof. And when we look at uh, chapter 2 of Joshua, 2 verse 9, if you've got your Bibles, turn there. Joshua 2 9, we read, And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of this Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were destroyed on the east side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage 
remain in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. What a great testimony of who God is from a, a pagan woman in a, in a pagan city, uh, land of the Canaanites. Uh, it's incredible. But uh, her statement shows that her statement shows that uh, God was working in her. She recognized what was going on that most, most didn't. And then uh, the spies return and report to Joshua all the information he needed to lay out the battle and uh, attack the city. Now, Jericho was one of the fortified cities in Canaan, and in their own strength, they weren't going to be able to take it, but we'll see uh, how God gets around that. But important lessons from chapter 2, in, in like Rahab's case, when you're sharing the gospel, you never know what seeds have been sown in that person's heart. You're just coming along at a moment in time sharing Christ with them, and you don't know what the result's going to be. But God uses many times multiple people to bring someone to, to the Lord. So you never know. Keep, and, and Pastor Dave gave us a great uh, testimony last week with your coworker's brother and how he just happened to go in there and share Christ with him. And what a great testimony uh, that was that this man who's really ill is, is, has come to Christ, made a profession of faith. What a, what a blessing for Dave. I mean, that, that what he does has fruit and bears fruit. And you never know. That can happen with, with you. It can happen with me. If we're obeying God and doing what he's commanded, make disciples. So you never know. And we also see that the battle's already won. You know, when God wants to do something, it's going to happen. God gets his way. I mean, Pastor Dave says that all the time. The, and in this case, the battle was already won because the, the men of, of Jericho were scared, uh, scared to death. All right. Chapter 3. Here we, see, we read about where the people prepare to cross the Jordan. And this is in the springtime. And the water is very high and, and the current very strong. So they prepare to cross the Jordan, verses 1 through 10 goes through that. We notice that the Ark of the Covenant precedes them. That when the Ark, uh, the priests carrying the Ark, the uh, feet touch the water, the water parts. Very uh, similar to what happened at the Red Sea, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea on the exodus from Egypt. See, God is using that example to show that he's with this generation just as he was with their parents' generation the Exodus generation. And so the waters stand in a heap. They cross over on dry ground. And, and God is with these, uh, the, ex, the uh, conquest generation, just as he was with their parents years before. So the Ark of the Covenant goes before them, and the people cross over on dry ground. So what, what do we learn from that? God leads. We follow. Pretty simple. You know, if we're trying to lead, say, God, you're going to do it this way or you're going to follow me. No. God leads. We follow. And God is more than capable of overcoming any obstacle, remove any barriers that may be in our way. Because, like I said, he's going to get his way. So he's already planned on it. He's already thought about what to do. God is the ultimate leader. And we need to follow. All right, chapter 4. After they cross the Jordan... 
we see that Israel builds two memorials from stones. They build one in the middle of the Jordan and then one in Gilgal where they camp after crossing the Jordan. So they build, build two memorials and that's basically the summary of the chapter. Uh, they camp in Gilgal, a familiar name. If you read through the Old Testament, Gilgal is uh, referred to very often. And so what do we learn from that? from chapter 4. Well, we learn that it's important for us to remember what God has done. God does a lot of things, but we don't always remember them. This was done specifically so that Israel would remember this event and share it with their children. God wants us to remember what he's done. We, we have the uh, next week, we're going to celebrate the communion table. Why? Because we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So that's always important for God. He wants us to remember so that we have things that strengthen our faith. We can easily forget things that God has done for us in our life that obviously wouldn't have happened without God's provision or God's blessing. So remember that hymn, Count Your Blessings. What a great thought that we're going to count all the blessings that we have from God. Incredible. What a, what a great pastime that, that is to think about all the times God has blessed you. Name them one by one. It's a great hymn. And that's stated in the law many times that we should teach these things to our children, so we have to do that uh, to raise our children in the uh, admonition of the fear of the Lord. All right, chapter 5. Chapter 5. Israel renews their covenants. We've got, and I spent a lot of time on this because there's two covenants involved. There's the Mosaic covenant that they just got uh, 40 years, but there's also the Abrahamic covenant that they are part of. And the, uh, the sign of the Abrahamic, I mean, of the, yeah, of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision. None of the men that had been born during the wilderness, had been circumcised. How are they going to participate in the promised land and the Abrahamic blessings if they're not in obedience to the Abrahamic covenant? They can't. So they have to be circumcised. Uh, very painful. I'm um, sure it wasn't uh, top on anyone's list to have that done, but uh, that was a requirement. To be part of Israel, you had to be circumcised if you were a man. And so after the healing, the men uh, remain at Gilgal, and... They celebrate the Passover. So they're, they're showing that they're in obedience to the Abrahamic covenant by getting circumcised, and they're in obedience to the Mosaic covenant by celebrating the Passover. And uh, Jericho was going to have to wait. You know, this is more important. So after that is done, then Joshua we read in uh, verses 13 through 15 of chapter 5, that Joshua is doing some last-minute uh, reconnaissance on Jericho, and he, he meets, meets a man standing opposite him with his sword drawn. Joshua doesn't know who this is. We, are, uh, we find out later that he is uh, the pre-incarnate Christ appearing before him, and he, I, but he first identifies himself as the captain of the host of the Lord. 
That's his first, when Joshua says, are you for us or against us? He doesn't answer his question, but rather he, he says who he is, the captain of the host of the Lord. But then his second statement uh, really identifies who he is exactly because he tells uh, Joshua to remove your sandals from your feet for, for what, where you're standing is holy ground. Same word, same command that God gave Moses on top of Mount Sinai. So we know this is uh, the Lord, a pre-incarnate appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his second statement makes that totally clear. Now, what can we learn from that, from chapter 5? Well, God's commandments and what he's ordained for us must be obeyed to receive his blessing. You know, they had, to, they had to partake of the circumcision and the Passover if they were going to continue in God's blessing. And that's the same for us. You know, Christ has commanded us many things, love one another, uh, make disciples. We have to obey those commands. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. These are things that God wants us to do. We have to obey if we're going to, going to receive blessing. Uh, humility and obedience are important for us to be able to serve. You know, we, we see many times in the Bible that pride is, is, is a detriment. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble in James 4, 6. And how about this? Am I not recognizing God in my life? You know, Joshua came upon the captain of the host. He didn't know who he was. Are we in that same position? Are we not seeing God in our life, doing things, guiding us, bringing things to remembrance? Are we not recognizing God in our life? Are you even looking for evidence that God's doing things in your life? Maybe you're just going along day to day, not, not really thinking about things. Think about those things because God is thinking about us. So recognize that God is in your life and, and try to see it and praise him for it. Thank him for it. There are many times or many op options here at this church to serve, to be part of the work going on here. Think about that. Think about joining this community, this family of believers in sharing God with those who need to hear it. Our lists that we all have People need to hear who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. Okay. So now that they're in the land, they've gotten taken care of all these details. This is a, a picture, a map of the promised land that God has, has provided for them. It was told them about they're going to inherit. That's the green area. Those red squiggly lines are where the original 12 spies went up and down. Not relevant to this, to Joshua. This is out of Lagos, by the way. All right, so chapter 6. We finally read about them, them going into land and the conquest of Jericho. God gives Jericho into Israel's hands. We all know the story that the priests circle the city seven times, but on the seventh day, they uh, circle it seven times on, on that day and then shout, the walls collapse, and they go in and uh, slaughter the uh, inhabitants of Jericho. This is all part of God's judgment on the Canaanites, by the way, that he had foretold Ab back in Abraham's day that he was going to do it. So the Lord tells Joshua that he has given them the city, its king, and its warriors into their hand. And then instructions God gave them for how the priests were going to carry the ark around the city once a day for seven, six days and then the seventh day. 
And very important, the city was under the ban, which means, there's a Hebrew word for it, I'm not going to get into that. If you want more instruction on that or knowledge about that, go back to this chapter 6 of video. Uh, the city was under the ban, meaning everything was, was devoted to God. They weren't to take any of the spoil for themselves. It was all going to be dedicated to God. And so that was the rule. Joshua explicitly states that to each of the uh, uh, warriors that go in. Uh, so Jericho is completely destroyed. They, they burn the city with fire. Uh, Rahab and her family are spared. That was part of the deal with the spies, that they would protect her and her family. Anyone that was in her house would be spared. And the uh, Israelites under Joshua, they, they keep that promise to her and her family. They are spared. And in fact, uh, when this was written later on, it says that uh, she li was still living with them uh, at the time Joshua wrote this book. All right, so, what was that? Yeah, she still lived among them. Okay, so, important lessons from chapter 6. God gives us the victory. This was all God. They would never have been able to penetrate the wall. They didn't have siege works. They didn't have tools or weapons to breach the walls on their own. God gave them the victory. So we are blessed. And how does that apply to us? We're blessed because God has allowed us to be a part of his plan. God wants us to be part of his plan. And so he's doing uh, what he wants with his creation. It's always about God. It's not about us. So Joshua was a victory over Jericho in chapter 6 at a very high point, but as most of our lives will follow, there's a, there's a down point. And chapter 7 is, is uh, one of those low points in Israel's history. Why? Because they sinned. They sinned against uh, God and his anger burned. And they didn't really know it at first, but when they went up to the second city uh, called Ai, which was west of Jericho, they suffered defeat. And they're all, they're all wailing, they're crying, they can't understand what God is doing. Why did this happen? But then Israel's sin was revealed. God tells them, hey, one man took some of the spoil from Jericho and buried it in his tent, under, in the ground under his tent. That's why God wasn't with them when they went to Ai, to and they were defeated. So, the sin is revealed. They find out who it is. They, they have a series of, of lots cast to determine who it is. And the, the man confesses. And they, they bring back all that he's uh, hoarded in his tent. And then judgment is carried out. And it was, they were stoned to death. Not just him, but his family. Because they obviously knew, buried in the tent, that, that what he had done. He had violated the command against the ban on the city. And all those things were... Valuable things, valuable items, but, you know, his, his greed got, got the best of him, and so he had to pay. And then they piled up a heap of stones where he was stoned outside the camp to mark what had happened. You know, it's a deterrent to see that. So that is chapter 7. A memorial is, 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 is created just so that it would mark that event for future generations. Now, chapter 8. Well, let's go lessons from chapter 7. And this is important. We cannot hide our sins from God. Don't even try. God knows all the knowable. We can't expect God not to know about our sins. He knows all, all from eternity past. He's omniscient. 
And why do we want to confess them? Well, because we, he will judge our sins and there will be discipline. But that's better to, to get, it, get it behind you than, than to uh, have, it dwell, have you dwell on it. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Sometimes we suffer for the sins of others. That's another thing to consider. We're, we're going to suffer sometimes for others' others' sins. And that's sad. But it's part of living in a sinful world. We live in a, in a cosmos system run by Satan that God has allowed. And sometimes the people we love are going to do things to us. Maybe that, not even that we love. We don't even know. But we suffer for the sins of others. Occasionally. Are you trying to hide your sins? Am I trying to hide my sins? That's why we have the confession. That's why 1 John 1, 9. Because God knows we'll sin. Even after we're saved, we still commit personal sin. Don't try to hide them. Confess them. Get back in fellowship. Because that's, that's where life is, is in, in Christ and in God. And, and if, if we have personal sin, it's, it's a barrier between us. So don't try to hide them. Confess. Uh, as they said it in the Star Trek uh, series, resistance is futile. God's going to get his way for the believer and the unbeliever. Now, if you're an unbeliever, yeah, you want to you have your sins dealt with by Christ at the cross. You want to come to God begging for salvation, for trusting in him, that uh, his work on the cross cleanses you from all those sins, and they're paid for. And for the believer, it's to restore fellowship with God. We don't want to hinder our relationship any more than we need to because God has provided the way for us to deal with our sins. It's confession because Jesus has already paid for them all. Okay, chapter 8. So now that they've, they've done that, they've executed the judgment on the wrongdoer, now God is able to lead them. He's able to lead the battle and bless Israel. And that's exactly what happens. They defeat I the second time. Uh, because you know what? God had a plan. He gave Joshua specific instructions, very detailed, on how to go about in a way that would lead the men to, to leave the city wide open. And they follow that uh, plan, God's instructions, and they defeat them. It's complete success. I is destroyed, and then uh, Israel is allowed to take the plunder from that city. And that's the sad part of Achan, the man who, who uh, took the stuff from Jericho, if he had just waited, he could have uh, satisfied his lust for, or his greed if he had just waited till I was, was, was defeated. And then we read uh, at the end of uh, chapter 8 that there's a, a memorial ceremony, a, a covenant renewal uh, up in the northern, north, north from Gilgal on Mount Ebal. And Mount Gerizim. And so Mo Moses had directed them to, to, to do this, had commanded them to do this, that when they got in the land, they, they were going to have an offering to God, a peace offering, and also Joshua was going to uh, write the law on the stones of the altar that they used up there. So Moses commanded them. You can read that in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27. Boy, we're running long, huh? I don't think I'm going to get through 17, but uh, Wednesday, 
we'll, we'll finish up Wednesday. I, I, I'd like to get through a couple more chapters before we, uh, before we stop. So let's just a little bit longer. Please uh, bear with me. So they have the covenant renewal in the promised land on those two mountains. And those mountains are pretty much centrally located in Israel. So what, what do we learn from that? We learn that be reconciled to God because when you're not reconciled with God, when he's opposed to you, you're not going to have success at all. You're going to fail, whatever it is you're doing. And Israel learned that lesson. They dealt with the sin problem and were reconciled to God, and then they had the victory over I. And we want to take time to honor the Lord. That is always important. We need to honor God. In fact, when you read Romans 1, one of the big issues God has with mankind is that we're not thankful. We're not thankful for all that he's done, all he's provided. You know what, I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it right there because next time we'll, we'll start with chapter 9, which begins the real conquest of the southern part of the land. And we'll, we'll, we'll take that up on Wednesday. And uh, we'll hope you're here for that one. If not, uh, there will always be on the archives. But let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had just to review many of the things that you have done for the nation of Israel in fulfilling your promise to the patriarchs by bringing your people into the promised land. What a great testimony it is for us that we can trust you, we can uh, know that you keep your promises and that you are working in our lives, you are strengthening, you are encouraging, you are training us uh, to serve you. And Father, we just pray that we will be focused on our opportunity to grow and mature, to please you in our lives every day because uh, we know that it it is your will that... uh, we would do just that and glorify your name because you are the creator of all things and most deserving of our worship, praise, and all glory. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.